With each module's curriculum, the expertise of the InterMBA faculty moves us forward in our journey to become more wise and compassionate at work. We've created this podcast platform so that these sessions are available to you not only on the learning platform, but also here in audio format. It's our hope that having the core curriculum available in this way will enable you to experience these teachings at your own pace and in the way that works best for you. begin a conversation here around the notion of learning and uh, actually that you can learn to be a leader and um, what I would uh, claim is that you can learn through your body to learn the, the important aspects and principles and distinctions about exemplary leadership. You can learn through your body and um, let me start that off by a, 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 a quick story here. I'm in Japan and I'm studying the martial arts. I'm both studying Aikido and Judo, the, um, Kubakan and the uh, Aiki headquarters. And at the end of every day, a bunch of these young men would come together, uh, mostly from the West, uh, some from Asia, and we'd come together and speak about what we learned. And it was um, high fuel male testosterone and what I can do and I can do this, and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it would often end in like, okay, let's put it on the mat. In other words, you have to show it. But there was one evening when this conversation became more heated, and there was this young man from New Guinea. He was studying in Oxford, stopped and was living in Japan so he could study martial arts. And he said, you know, in my country, we have a proverb that says, knowledge is only a rumor until it's in the body. Knowledge is only a rumor until it's in the body. And so for me, it was a moment of like, boom. And uh, being in sports, being in martial arts, I knew that you had to walk your talk. But the profundity of that was just in the, in the depthfulness of it was extraordinary. And, you know, it took me really about maybe 10, 15 years to totally metabolize that in myself, and especially in the terms of being an assist to people building leaders, emerging leaders and leaders that are in place. So um, what follows from that is me asking you, as I go forward, to live in a particular interpretation of the body or the soma. Soma is an early Greek word that means the living body in its wholeness. So in other words, I don't look at there's a mind, body, spirit. It's all happening here this is where it's happening. And the more we pay attention to this, what we're doing is drawing on 3 billion years of evolution. 3 billion years of evolution that holds a tremendous amount of wisdom and intelligence about how do we keep ourselves secure? How do we coordinate well with other people? Um, how do we have a sense of dignity and belonging? So the interpretation um, that I'd like you to um, uh, be with me uh, goes like this. The body is a domain of action. 
So instead of thinking of body and going my golf swing or my tennis swing serve or the cover of the guy on men's health or in Vanity Fair, this is where we take action from. Even if you're doing this, even if you're doing this, even if you're doing this, that's engaging your nervous system, your organ system, your muscular system, your hormone system. All of that is body. And then furthermore, I'd like you to entertain that when I say action, doesn't necessarily mean movement. You can be very, very still, very still, and you can be in action. By being very still, let's say like in a mindfulness practice, you can be in contemplation about what is the future I want to build? What do I have to let go of to become a more skillful leader? What do I have to cultivate in myself? All of those inter-reflections and contemplations that happen are action. Um, I'll give you an example here. I'm reminding you the story of the stonecutters. There's these three stonecutters. They're all doing the same thing. To the common observer, you go, you're sitting on a stool, cold chisel and a mallet, and they're pounding on a piece of granite. You ask the first one, what are you doing? And she says, I'm pounding on a piece of granite. That's the action. We're always going to do some action. You go to the second person and say, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a door. Oh, I'm building a door in order to have a passageway. Mm. You go to the third person, you say, what are you doing? And she says, I'm building a cathedral. I tell you that story from the point of view is the more that we connect our actions and are in order to, to the biggest possible narrative of what we're wanting to contribute to the world, the more powerful we'll be. What is your cathedral story? How do you organize yourself and mobilize yourself and others around that story so you can take the actions to build that cathedral? The um, Persian poet mystic Jalaluddin Rumi has become somewhat popularized. He had a great saying in one of his books was Daspadar Delbayar, which means while your hand is in your work, your heart is with sacred or the divine. So while you're washing your dishes, you're going, how am I serving my family? I'm keeping my family healthy. You're taking what you're doing and you're inside of a story as opposed to I'm just mindlessly doing this and then I'm going to what's important. Every being in action and skillful action is actually embodying that narrative. The body is a domain of learning. In the West, we hold learning as I'm going to take a body of information that lives up here in my brain, and I'm going to try to transfer it to your brain. That's through text. That's through watching videos, uh, DVDs. That's for, that's for listening to case, uh, case studies, etc., etc. Um, what we say is that learning means that after you've learned something, you can take an action that you previously couldn't take. And you can take that action 
when you're under the same level of pressures that you had previously. So yes, we take, as an engineer, we take these formulas, we bring them, we study them, but at some point you're going to be designing something as an engineer and you have to take all of that and put it into action. So learning is embodying those distinctions in a way that they're at hand for us and I can take that action. And you know what? An action may just be, I can manage my mood now. People no longer say I'm impatient and they don't want to be on my team. They say, no, what he can do, he can listen to me through thoroughly. He can coach me to the next step. He can give me a skillful negative assessment so I do better next time. But I can see that he's patient. Those things can be learned and, and embodied. Um, we say that, uh, that the body is a domain of dignity. That those of you that are advocates for people, you've studied people, you've learned about people, you know intuitively that everyone wants to be seen as having value. Everyone wants to be seen as being a legitimate part of a team, a family, a partnership, a company. They want to see that happening. And that powerful leaders will acknowledge people for what they've done so that that sense of dignity becomes embodied in them, becomes embodied in the, the leader. So that person goes, um, that's incredible. That's like, makes me want to go out and do more. Quick story. I'm with my granddaughter. She is out, coming out of first grade. I want to meet her there. We go back. She's done this story about a seashell falling in love with a sea tortoise. I said, oh, good. Let me read it. And she wants to show me like the teacher shows me. And um, she goes through it. And I go, Cameron, that's extraordinary. I said, God, now we can read together. We can even go buy books together. There's still bookstores. They'll know she knows what a bookstore is. We still can go do that. And then, you know, I held up her writing and I said, but you know what? More than anything, this tells me, I said, first of all, look me in the eyes. Just stop looking me in the eyes. I said, what I'm saying is very sincere. More than anything, this tells me who you are. And she just looked at me for three seconds and just folded into my arms. Now, I say that not so much like I'm an exemplary grandfather, but it was just spontaneous. And what she got was this acknowledgement. I wasn't saying, pick up your clothes. I wasn't saying, take your dishes to the sink. I wasn't saying, tie your own shoes. I was going, I get you. I get you, sincerely. We know now that neuroscience or their machines have taught that that releases a certain kind of hormone, a serotonin that gives one a sense of well-being it makes one want to go I want to continue to build that yeah um, we, 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 we say that the body is a domain of mood and emotions um, you know uh, attitude moods are often thought of as like a mental phenomena and you know if I just put on a happy face that's right but for example if I'm like this my shoulders are up here like this and somebody says, how are you doing today? And I go, I'm great. I'm really fine. 
but what they're having to get over is my shoulders are glued to my ears. And what we know is there's something incoherent there. That in other words, my emotion of, you know, I feel anxious today. Um, uh, what we know, all the tests have shown, if you take a picture of somebody who's afraid because they're watching something that's fearful, sh our shoulders go up. Our shoulders go up. You show that to somebody in the highlands of New Guinea, on the streets of Paris, they'll all say, oh, they're afraid. So that what we can learn as embodied leaders is how to respect our emotional life, both in its scope and in its depth. That doesn't mean I'm going to be over-emotional. That doesn't mean I'm going to just be emotional about everything. That means I'm able to express my satisfaction, my passion, my excitement, my sadness, my grief, and that will produce assessments of genuineness. So practices that we will be doing will be going, you'll center yourself, say your mood, and if you're anxious that morning, say I'm anxious, by knowing that, and you can feel that in your body, shift your, knowing that you're anxious, then you can shift that, and then your body can coordinate around being not caught in the anxiety, but being, being more present. And we would say that the body is a domain of coordination. We coordinate with other people a lot through machines, that's right. But what, how we're doing that with our fingertips, how we're doing it with our voice, how we're doing it with our mood and our emotions will have very much to do with how we actually coordinate with other people. There are tens of thousands of people throughout the world that before they go to work, what they'll do is they will do some movement sequence together. They may do qigong, tai chi, and then they might go into the factory. All the work that we've done this way and having people move together and then having conversations, they will always say anecdotally, the conversations were more fluid and we got more done in less time. So if you go way back to our ancestors, is that they're trying to push the woolly mammoth off the cliff. That's dinner and lunch for about a week and very dangerous. What did they do beforehand? They drummed, they sang, and they moved together. Why did they do that? They did that so they started to become in harmony with themselves as a team. So when they had to do that dangerous thing, then they would go out. Do basketball players know this? Yes. Do football players know this? Yes. Do double teams in tennis know this? Yes. This is also true for leadership teams. So in my work with leadership cultures and building leadership cultures, all the way from the uh, uh, CEO, a COO, and a CIO having conversations together, to small teams, to large teams, to divisions, to companies, to um, military units, NGOs worldwide, is that we've had these people do coordination practices together that help them in the projects they're doing and also in the fluidity of the conversations that they're having in which they're almost re always reported as she were getting much more done sooner 
um, and also the conversations are more fluid. So as a wrap up, I, I asked you to live in the interpretation of me as body, as a domain of action, emotions and moods, learning, dignity, and coordination. And um, what we're going to do next is we're going to do a centering practice with this beautiful form we call the human body. <laughs>